going to be good. Praise God. I'd like to direct your attention to a familiar passage of Scripture, but nonetheless, we are going to take a look at John chapter 3 this morning. And then we are going to uh, go to 2 Peter chapter 1 for one verse of Scripture. John chapter 3. everybody here today. Amen. John chapter 3. Let's start reading verse number 1. We're going to read verse 1 through 8. The Bible said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now this, he was a religious man, but not just any kind of a religious man. This man understood all of the subtle nuances of the Old Testament. Look at verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now the miracle that I believe he was referring to took place in the previous chapter when Jesus turned water into wine at the marriage feast at Cana. And so there was a there was a change from one complete dimension to another, from water to wine. And this religious leader came to Jesus by night. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except, would you say that word with me, except? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now before you crack a smile on that, you have to understand this is before microscopes. This is before in-depth physiology. He understood born again, meaning that physically, I'm going to go back into my mother's womb, and somehow this is going to happen all over again. Look at Jesus' response in verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, capital S, talking about God's Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is making a distinction here between two different births, two different dimensions. Look at verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's when your natural mother was involved. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's where God is involved. Don't be amazed. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And then Jesus gives us an illustration of determining who has been born again and what it, what are the appearances of that. Look at verse number 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. 
aren't you thankful for Shakespearean English? Okay, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Let me give you the modern English translation of that, which is easy to do because these words, you have to understand Greek, according to their syllables, was very limited in their words. So one, one Greek word can mean eight English words. Okay? Let's look at this again. The wind, the word wind there comes from the Greek word pneuma, which is where we get the biblical word spirit. The spirit blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it is coming and where it is going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit, which means everyone that's born of the Spirit is going to make a sound. Didn't say anything about goosebumps. Didn't say anything about having some feeling, some sensation. There was going to be a sound that was made. And then 2 Peter chapter number 1. One verse of scripture. Verse number 4. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse number 4. The apostle says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promise that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want to talk to us for a few moments this morning about divine DNA. Divine DNA. Let's put our Bibles down and one more time. I know you've been standing a long time, but one more time, let's pray together. Let's lift our voices. Let's, let's lift our faith. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory. I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him would be in operation in this room today. Bind every spirit of resistance, every stronghold of resistance. And I pray for the free flowing and receiving of the Word of God. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I really need you to preach with me today uh, because I, I'm kind of feeling that if I sat down, I'd probably fall asleep. And that is no reflection on God and that is no reflection on you. I'm just tired. But I'm excited. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that the Word of God is here. I'm excited that the Spirit of God is here. And I'm excited about what God is fixing to do around here. Yes. We have two, uh, before I even get started. Uh, Brother Logan, what is your friend's name, please? 
Could you yell it out? My hearing's bad. Sister Carissa, we're glad you're here. Now, if you're asking why they're sitting so close together, it ain't none of your business. And then Sister Abigail and Brother Ryan are going to be married a little over a month from now. And it's good to have her, too. Both of these precious sisters are from Southern California. But they know where it's good. And they are here today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Divine DNA. After 2,000 years of theological study, human introspection, doctrinal shift, and theologians, philosophers, and people scratching their heads. Make no mistake it, about it, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest mystery still is, is that God took on a human body. There is no other religion, there is no other belief system, there is no other cult, which would be nowhere, anytime, anywhere, at any place, that believes that their God took on a human form and hung on a cross for his people. Aren't you glad that you are in the truth today? unfold in the 21st century, that is going to become a bigger deal all the time. I'm glad I'm in the truth. I'm glad I have the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I'm amongst God's people. I'm glad I'm in God's program. I'm glad I'm doing what God called me to do. Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says this, and without controversy, because that's what it is, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That is the one major fundamental cornerstone of Christianity that people have stumbled over stumbled upon and fallen by the wayside and just cannot seem to wrap their brain around it. A lot of people want to put the classification that Jesus was a good person and Jesus was a prophet and Jesus was this and Jesus was that, but they don't want to believe that Jesus was the creator manifest in flesh. Well, I, I don't want to mince my words here this morning. You are in a place that believes that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is the first and he is the last. 
By him were all things created, seen and unseen. Clap your hands and give him praise. And let's make him feel at home today. Some of you that haven't even moved this morning, let's let God know I want you here. God feel at home. I want God to know he's welcome here, and I, I know you feel that way too. Hallelujah. I was talking uh, the other day with several of, actually several daughter work pastors were talking about the doctrine of the Trinity. And in our conversation, I was I was really amazed how much uh, some of the information they they had accessed and knew about this. But the doctrine of the Trinity is a humanistic perspective of the Godhead. It was a major stumbling block when Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 became accepted as not only the defining scripture for the Great Commission, but it also became a defining aspect of the Godhead, that there must be a Father, there must be a Son, and there must be a Holy Ghost, and they must be three separate persons. And this goes way back, and this is not really our subject matter here today, but um, it is when you recognize that this is not really about three persons, but it's about one person, one name, under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. We cast out devils in the name. We pray for healing in the name. We baptize in the name. You can change your world in the name. Let's call on that name here for a minute. Let's give him praise. You can change your world by calling on the name of Jesus. I was just a new convert. If I tell you every little story that's in my left pocket, we'll be here all day. So I'll try to minimize that. But I remember just being a new convert. And if you're a new convert, we've got more than a few here today. That I will never forget, I was in uh, my apartment and I was laying on the couch. And all the lights were off, and all of a sudden, I felt a spirit of fear like I used to feel when I was in the world. I used to have anxiety attacks uh, long before I got saved, and I felt a spirit move in, a presence move in that filled my mind, and I just, my body just froze. And there's people under the sound of my voice that you remember this happening to you, because Satan will come back. And he will try to claim what used to be his. And I just, I've never, I felt I was absolutely panic stricken. The blood drained from my head. I was just frozen with fear. And I felt the presence, the raw presence of Satan. And the only thing that I could squeak out was, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to call on any name, you better know that name. I don't care if you're in an hospital bed. 
I don't care if you're facing divorce court. I don't care if you're on the bottom of the barrel. I don't care if you're in an automobile accident. You better be able to call on the name that's above every name. And everything changed. The atmosphere cleared. I could lift my hands. I opened up my eyes, and I praised the name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise around here today. God became a man, but he was unlike any other man. People want to put him second person because they believe that God Almighty is different from God localized, infinite versus finite. Make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ was the fullness of the Godhead. In him was the fullness of the Godhead. That's a mystery in this room, just like it's been for the last 2,000 years. People say, I just don't understand how the God could become a man. The Bible says it is a mystery. It is a controversy. And humanistic theologians, philosophers, and educators have taken their best shot of trying to define that. But make no mistake about it, God became a man. And that same Jesus is coming back for his people. I am not, listen, listen, listen. I am not in this because I needed a religious trip because I did so many LSD trips. I am not in this because I needed another group of people because, because I got tired of the heavy metal rock and roll world. I was not in this because I was necessarily a weak person. I was in this because I saw the truth in the word of God and I said, where have I been? Where have I been? I've been under a rock and when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I said, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. This is intoxicating. This is glorious. This is powerful. Powerful. And that's why I'm preaching this today. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for everybody. Hallelujah. The story of his birth. Still an amazing story. We're going to go to Luke chapter number one. If you have your Bible open, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1 and verse number 30 and 31. And the angel said unto a 14-year-old girl, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. 14-year-old girl. She said, how is this going to happen, seeing I know not a man? She was a virgin. Thank you. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Verse 35. 
And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Now in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, the Holy Ghost was not yet available for the mass of humanity, for Jesus Christ had not yet been glorified. But the Holy Ghost did move on people for specific times, for specific purposes throughout history. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, and his name was John. You know, the same angel showed up to an older guy by the name of Zacharias when he announced the birth of Elizabeth, and Zacharias said, how shall this thing be? And after the angel reaffirmed what he had just told him, he said, you're going to be dumb till this boy is born. God required somebody that's been around a lot longer to go back and refer to biblical precedent, which was Abraham. Because he did not stand on the promises of the word of God, the angel did not want him obfuscating the miraculous. So he was struck dumb until the eighth day of his life at his circumcision. And he wrote down his name. And it was John. And when his name was proclaimed, he opened up his mouth. And he could now speak. God expects his people to know enough about the Word of God that when God gives us a fresh promise, we don't stumble with unbelief and stumble with doubt. We said, if God did it for them, God will do it for me. Zechariah did. She said, how shall this thing be, seeing I know not a man? She could get away with that question because there was no precedent. And so the Holy Ghost overshadowed her and she conceived. Somewhere in that being overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, the presence of the Almighty God, there was a transference, transmission, an implementing of the spiritual essence of God with human DNA to where it fused together and became a human being. Jesus is conceived with a unique duality in that he was son of man on his mother's side and son of God on his father's side. 
still have to take some food when you get there. But that's on my mother's side. When I come in here and lift up my hands, that's on my daddy's side. When you see me take a lap, that's on my father's side. When you see me flick nicotine, that's on my father's side. When you see me come out of alcoholism, that's on my father's side. This is not a denomination. This is divine DNA. Somebody clap your hands and give him the praise. So it's incumbent on apostolic leadership that we don't park this church on our mother's side. But we should park Cornerstone on our father's side. On our mother's side, it's looking at the watch saying, well, I've already been here for 45 minutes, and anytime this guy wraps it up, I'm ready to get out of here. Well, I've got at least another 45 minutes worth of notes. But I'm trying to say that if you'll switch over just sitting there today, if you'll just go ahead and get into your father's side, the clock won't matter anymore. And, and, and creature comforts won't matter anymore. And needing drama in your life to get by another chapter in your life won't matter anymore because I'm on my father's side. I'm in the dimension of the bottomless, the limitless. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I want to get on my Father's side today. I want to get into the Holy Ghost today. I want to get, I want to get where there's no boundaries. I want to get where there's outside of limitations. I want to get out what my mind's telling me. I want to get out what my heart is telling me. I want to get into what the Word of God is saying. And so Jesus had this unique duality. Of being flesh and spirit. And the Bible said that he had the spirit without measure. He had all the fullness. You know, the science of genetics, in preparing for this today, I was thinking, man, I can't read all that stuff. People are going to get up and walk out on me. Just read up on hereditary science and genetics. In 1953, there was a scientific breakthrough with the discovery of DNA that holds the genetic code for every human being. And with this, it's an alignment of chromosomes that determines gender, it determines hair. You know, when you say gender anymore, people get nervous. You don't have to get nervous. We love everybody. You could walk in your day and not know what planet you're from and what you are, and we're going to help you. And I say that without any sarcasm. Because I was a confused young person when I got saved, and there's a lot of confused people in our world. This is no place for the church to be sarcastic. This is no place for the church to be ugly. This is a time for God to be God and the power of the Holy Ghost. But you have to understand where our world is today. The trans people are saying they were born wrong. You know, I know I was born this way, but I'm supposed to be this. 
Did you know that trans people have the highest suicide rate of any demographical group in the world? And another thing they're not telling you is, did you know that there is a high percentage of people that are trans that are actually trying to reverse the effects of that? Because when they finally get there and they understand the dynamics of that, they said, this is not really what I wanted. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to lie to people to tell them it's the grass is greener on the other side, and they get all the way over there, and they say, I don't want this. I don't like this. That's like people that get on drugs. They say, I never intended it to get. I never intended to go this far down. I never intended to lose my family. I never intended to lose everything, whether it's Internet pornography, whether it's addiction to drugs. The trans people, and I'm just telling you what they're saying, their whole, their whole deal is that they were born wrong. But the gay movement is saying, I was born this way. And so one group is saying, I was born this way, and I'm just different. And the other one is saying, I was born wrong. The Bible said, you must be born again. You've got to have the DNA from another world. Somebody ought to clap your hands. We've got the greatest news this world has ever received, that there was a God that was manifest in flesh, and he infused the human race with a divine DNA. You may be seated. Don't get too excited. I got, a, I got at least an hour and a half's worth of notes. You know I'm only kidding. Maybe. John, the preacher of repentance, said the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world, meaning that he was sinless. The only thing that could possibly qualify for him being the Lamb of God was that he had to be sinless. In human beings, it is the Father that supplies the X and the Y chromosomes but the mother supplies the X chromosome only. Children receive an ex exact mixture of both, but it is the father that determines the gender. And the thing that made this immaculate conception what it was is that not one drop of Mary's blood ever touched Jesus. His blood was absolutely produced and furnished by the Father. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil meaning that in order for God to go to the very depths of breaking the demonic hold on the human race, he had to absolutely take on human form, and he had to play by the right rules. A lot of people say that, okay, I'll grant you that God became a man, but every time the last of the whip came or every time there was some trial in his flesh, he switched over into spirit mode. 
and and so that he didn't really feel he was more of a, a demigod than a real god no the bible said that he suffered like we do in every single point and but he made for us a way of escape ladies and gentlemen jesus christ didn't cheat god didn't cheat he took on a human form but he said there's no sin in my blood veins had divine DNA. First Adam in Genesis was formed of the ground. His mother was the garden. First Corinthians chapter number 15, the apostle Paul gives penetrating insight when he says the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So the first Adam is taken from the soil, and at the fall of Adam and Eve, something happened to the genetic code for the entire human race that was to follow. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12 says this, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and then death by sin. And so not only did sin pass on to every human being after the first Adam, but also death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. No matter who you are, no matter what kind of a good person, I've met a few people through the years that felt like, well, I'm not homeless and I'm not on drugs and I'm not an alcoholic, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Your righteousness is still filthy rags. That's nothing but human pride. Everybody, when you come into an apostolic church, everybody, nobody escapes the altar. Nobody escapes the cross. Nobody escapes the revelation that I need a Savior. Even King David in his prayer of repentance in Psalms 51, he understood this. He said, behold, I was shapen. In iniquity, I was molded. I was through genetic structure and all of the process that takes place of development in the womb of my mother. I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Just the fact that I was conceived, I was conceived in sin. Last year, last year, Zach and Whitney gave me a, I can't remember if it was a birthday gift or a Christmas gift, but they gave me a hereditary DNA testing. They want to make sure, I want to know my dad's human. Uh, just a little fun there, okay? Somebody. Wiggle your ears, Valerian Oscar, do something. Our culture has gone crazy over DNA. Research for this message today, you would be amazed by how many people are let down. I'm not going to. I'm not going to extrapolate or further insinuate. But 
one of the biggest sellers now is called 23andMe, where you take a saliva test and you put it in a tube and you send it off to some brainiacs in a room that run it through a bunch of, I guess, a bunch of testing, and I looked up my results online. And I found out I'm doing a little bit better than I thought I was. Man, I'm related to Sir Francis Drake. Who's he? Well, I don't know. He's Sir Francis. I mean, that's better than where I come from. You know, I pulled up in a Pentecostal church in a 62 Rambler. It didn't have reverse. So I'm feeling pretty good about Sir Francis Drake. I come from English nobility. Zach, are you listening? English nobility. You know, they do their best to, to put the spin on it. They don't talk about the people in my family that committed suicide and were alcoholics and drug addicts and immoral and all kinds of stuff. They bring, they cherry pick. They take the best guys out of the group and they say, yeah, this is who you're attached to. But as I was doing some studying, I also found out that one of the biggest uses of this DNA testing today is, is that people are trying to locate the people that put them up for adoption. They're trying to find their original parents. I read the story of uh, a 15-year-old girl that was determined. She said, I will, if I don't do anything else with my life, I have got to find my daddy. There's a unique tie that God already put into the human genome. That, that between a father and his daughter. And she said, I'm, I am not going to rest until I locate my daddy. And so after several years, this is even before this testing. I read this on the front page of the, of the Spokesman Review about, about 15 years ago, which shows you how old it was. And she finally located her dad. And he was, he was an aging, old, ex-rocker guy. Probably drove a carpeted van around that was dying of AIDS. And, and in this picture, it was on the front page of the newspaper in Spokane. She had her arms around her father, and she didn't care that he had AIDS. She didn't care that he had misused the, uh, the, the, the fragments of his life and, and gave his life to drugs and profligate living and alcoholism. She was just glad that she found her daddy. That's how powerful that is. That's how powerful that draw is. But ladies and gentlemen, when you get divine DNA, you've got the arms of the Father around you every day. You've got the presence of God available every day. You've got his glory at the mention of his name. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Somebody shout and give God praise. Somebody needs to come home today and find the arms of your father and find the glory of your God. He's not here to punish you. He's here to wrap his arms around you and to reignite you with the power of his spirit. Clap your hands and give him praise. God's got missing children all over the world. I want to tell you something. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. If you ever get divine DNA in your system, you got to hear me. The devil will never leave you alone. Jesus said, give me a coin. Somebody brought to him a Roman draca. He said, whose image, whose inscription is on that coin? They said, it's a picture of Caesar. 
And he said, go ahead and render unto Caesar what's his. Go ahead and give God what's his. Satan will try to deface, defame, destroy any semblance of divine DNA. Let me tell you, you will never escape this. Drug trips will never feel the same. Immorality, the experience will never feel the same. Alcoholism will never be the same. Just running from God, there's not enough room on this earth. You cannot escape this because God says, no, you're mine. You belong to me. You've been bought with a price. The devil tries to make it where, you know what, I don't want to be religious, man. I got to give up this. I got to give up that. I got to give up that. I want to tell you that's a lie. When you get the power of the Holy Ghost and you get the joy of the Holy Ghost, you're not worried about giving up your bitterness, giving up your dope, giving up your pornography, giving up your lying, your cheating. You've got the best thing this world has ever seen. Clap your hands and give God the praise. DNA. Let's lift our hands and just worship him. Right where you're seated, let's praise him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. widely accepted and widely known recovery models is the 12-step program initially promoted by Alcoholics Anonymous. They now use that exact same model for Narcotics Anonymous. They use that same model for sexaholics. is manipulation. Sorcery and witchcraft is to manipulate people against their best interest. Only God can define what their best interest is. So if you have a desire for somebody and you're employing that over them, over what God wants to do, it's witchcraft. Well, I have this little need, and right now they're filling that little need. And I can't let them get away from me because they are filling that need. That's exactly what happened when Paul spun around on his heel and rebuked that spirit of divination out of that woman. They were prostituting her. And they went into an uproar because they said, now our hopes of making money. I want to tell you, God wants to set every prostitute free. This human trafficking stuff is a reality, but God is greater than human trafficking. God can save pimps. God can save prostitutes. God can save anybody. 
I noticed one thing about the, this 12-step model. This 12-step model, people that are in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, they are not free enough to ever say that I am completely free. They count every day. Another way of saying that is they say, I have been on the wagon for a year. And, and, they, and, they, and they relegate their life to day-by-day -day living. And, and there is a wisdom in that. If you're, if you're struggling with something here today and you're saying, well, I, I, I know that I've got the truth, but I'm still struggling. You need to take the calendar, okay, and quit living according to the calendar. You need to start looking at it at one day. And you need to say, I'm going to go through one day and let Jesus be God to me. I'm going to let him govern my thoughts. I'm going to let him govern my words. Let him govern my actions. This is why a lot of people don't get delivered. is because it's too panoramic. It's too big. And then the devil moves in and says, you can't do this. You can't live this. Oh, yes, you can. But you have to understand that God said, this is the day of salvation. This is not the month. This is not the year. This is not, come on, somebody. You just say, I'm going to take one day. And I'm going to, instead of going to the bar, God's going to be my intoxication. Instead of having to tell a lie, God's going to be my truth. Instead of calling somebody for a crutch, God's going to be my strength. Somebody clap your hand. If you've got divine DNA, you've got to bring it down. Somebody help me. Raise your voice and give him praise. One day at a time and I'm going to have the victory. Okay, Alcoholics Anonymous is based on the collection of successful days, but they are never allowed to say, Brother Glenn, that I am an ex-alcoholic. They say, I am an alcoholic that has not drank for yada da 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 days. Because, because they have focused on the abstinence and not understood that if you got divine DNA, God is not only going to help you abstain, God's going to replace that. If you needed alcohol to go to sleep at night, God's going to say, I'm going to give my beloved rest tonight. If you need a bottle so that you can manage with people, God's going to be your strength so you can love yourself. If you need, Come on, somebody. I'm trying to preach to you. It's not just abstinence. It's replacement. God said it's not just good enough to quit. you got to let me be your God. you got to let me be your strength. you got to let me be your source. some people under the sound of my voice you can say well I've tried this and it doesn't work you want to know why it hasn't worked for you it's not because you have not received truth you don't know how to handle it you don't know how to manage it one of the very first one was according to chronology you do not manage your life according to a 30-day calendar you manage your life according to a 24-hour period and there were even some times when I came out of the world where it was just minute by minute. It was the devil and it was God. It was the devil and it was God. And it was my decision in the, in the center that said, and I was just saying, I ain't going back. 
I may not like where I am, but I ain't going back. I ain't. Go, I may not. I may not be. I may not feel what I want to feel. But devil, I'm telling you one thing: you had me for 30 years, and you ain't never gonna have me again. You ain't never gonna prostitute me. You ain't never gonna use my brain. You ain't never gonna use my body. You ain't never gonna use my soul. You are never gonna pollute my mind. You are never gonna pollute my heart. And just one day at a time, and just one step at a time. And God says, "Keep it coming. I got more power." I got more glory. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise. God's for you today. God's not going to leave you high and dry. But you've got to participate. You've got to be a part of the process. level where you're at after three months? See, this is why when you, when you select your mate and it's where you are spiritually, you greatly diminish the chances or the odds of that ever going the distance. But when you say, God, right now it's just you and me. I'm married to you. You can get quiet all you want to. I preached in libraries before. But until you're comfortable with just having God, God's not willing to share you. But if you say, if you get to that point, God's got somebody over here that you don't even know, you've never even met, that's going to turn this world upside down as an evangelist or a missionary or a solid saint of God. Right now, I didn't even drink water. See, you get divine DNA. Listen to what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new. New. Now, when I was when I was a kid, I was the third one in my family, which meant that after my brother wore the jeans and my sister wore the jeans, my older sister wore the jeans, then I got the jeans. J E E. And by the time they got to me, they had holes. But my Bible tells me that when you get divine DNA, all things, old things are passed away. You know why a lot of people get on drugs? It's not even because they like them. It's because they have a determined effect. And we learn to trust that. 
You see, when you get saved, when you become apostolic, I'm not talking about some, just some denominational kind of a deal where it's, 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 it's not alive. It's, it's, it's humanistic. It's, relig- it's religion-based. It's not, it's not alive. But when you, when you get saved, the most haunting thing to me when I first got saved is, is I, I didn't know what's going to happen. You know, when I do drugs, you can look at your watch and say, okay, in about, in about an hour, I may need to take another snort. Don't put that mirror up. And you got just so much alcohol on hand because, you know, once it starts tapering off, you're going to need to get another one. It has a predictable outcome. This is why a lot of people are on drugs. This is why a lot of people drink t- till they're alcoholics. It's because it's predictable. It's not good for them. It's killing them. But they have to understand is the minute that you get spiritual DNA, it's all walk by faith. It's all unknown. What's going to happen tomorrow? God's going to be here. Well, I've never done that before. you got to trust. I don't know how to trust. And so some people end up living, they leave this and they go back, not because they don't love God, not because they don't want truth, but because the, the unknown became so overwhelming. But you got to get in the Bible and go back to Genesis chapter 4 or Galatians chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, and look at our friend who is the father of the faithful, Abraham. He's out here wondering, okay, where am I going today? Okay, your seed is going to have this. I don't even have any children. But the Bible said he staggered not at the promises of God, but knew that he was faithful to perform that which he had promised. You just got to say, you know what? I ain't going back to the devil. I'm not going back to hell. I'm not going back to those thoughts. I'm not going back to those people. I'm not going. I may not know where I'm going because every day is new. It's new. It's new. It's unknown. But God is there. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Why are you in this relationship? You know? No, I don't know. Tell us. You know, they're just there. They know the relationship's not right. They know they shouldn't be there. They know it's not in their best interest. They know it's not the will of God. But they're already they're familiar with that. They're familiar with that kind of lifestyle. When I came, when I when I got saved, one of the first things God told me to do was get a job. Job. Woo. Job. J O B. No, that's a dude in the Bible. No, that's a job mean get a job (laughs) yeah get a job buy a watch what's that for it's going to help you understand what time of day it is get a watch get a job get a better car I got one that didn't have reverse to a Dawson Honeybee that had 400,000 miles that's now in the Smithsonian Institute right next to the spirit of St. Louis And so I went from this to that to this to that. What are you saying? I've been through this. When I got divine DNA, it was all unknown to me. I'd never been this way before. I had no family lineage outside of my sister who lived in another city. And my brother lived in another city. I was doing this all by my own. But there was a church. They understood. They understood. Come on, man. Come on, man. Don't go back to the bar. Called me. I don't care if it's 1 o'clock in the morning. I'll get out of bed. I'll pray with you. I'll be there. You text me. You call me. That's what I'm here for. Because we're here to help people. You start walking. You understand your power and when you understand your divine DNA, there's no stopping you. There's no devil big enough. Oh, clap your hands and give him the praise.
You walk in Adam's DNA and you're going to be frustrated. You're going to think of quitting this. But the Bible said all things become new. I'm hurrying now. Okay, Galatians 6.15. Galatians 6.15. It's not on there? Okay. It's not, it's not there. For in Christ Jesus, neither Jew nor Greek, basically, but a new creature. A new creature. God doesn't see you as just some washed up, man, just some washed up human being, just, just, just being a flunky. You know, I messed up on this. I was a loser. I was told I was going to be a loser. I'll probably be a loser here. You ain't going to be a loser here. God ain't going to let you be a loser. You're going to have to hook back up with the devil and say, you can get as far. You can go to Tierra del Fuego. You can go all the way to Nome, Alaska. You can make your bed in hell, David. But God's going to be there and say, you were designed for more than this. I'm never going to let go of you. I'm never going to quit talking to you because you got my DNA in you. The devil is no longer your father. I am now your father. Man, I'm getting all excited. Ephesians 2.15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. Hebrews 10 and 20. By a new and living way. Hebrews 12.24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, all things become new. I want to tell you, this really is good news, ladies and gentlemen. This, 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 this is so good news. But you have, to, you have to get a hold of yourself. And you have to say, my headlights only go so far. But you've got to understand that God's going to meet you at the level of where your headlights are. All right, let's go back to John 3. And I'm coming down the home stretch. John chapter 3, starting in verse number 3. You see, to have a birth, you have to have a seed, and you have to have an egg. Nicodemus understood probably some of this. Instrumentation was crude at best, and human philosophy and observation filled in a few blanks. But they'd never seen a sonogram. But to have a birth, it takes a seed and an egg, and then you have conception. And then you have a nine-month gestation period in which the genetical code is implemented and determine the child. And then after nine months, the water 
breaks, the amniotic fluid that was a safety sack of fluid that was built in there for safety for the child. The water breaks. The child comes through the birth canal. And for the very first time, he fills his lungs with oxygen. And if he doesn't make a sound, the doctor slaps his rear end. And the baby cries. I remember Brother Ryan Knudsen, I was sitting with you out in the hallway. I can't remember which one of your children it was, but it was a while back. And we were sitting there just talking. And although we couldn't see it, we heard a baby cry in the room. And he got up and rushed in there. And we both knew that the sound of the cry of that child's voice that a baby had been born into this world. Go to verse number five, if you would. I'm almost done. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I send to you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. So the seed is the word of God. According to Luke chapter number eight, and the heart is the egg. And when there is faith, Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As soon as you accept the word of God, there is germination. There is conception. There is now faith. But it doesn't mean you're born. You're months away from being born. The problem in the 21st century is we're coming in contact with a lot of believers, but they're, they've not been born again. And they'll argue all day long. Oh, yeah, I've been... I've been baptized, right? Because they've been taught that baptism is an outward sign of acceptance. That's not in the Word of God. Baptism, according to Colossians chapter 2, is the circumcision of the heart. According to Galatians chapter number 3, it bursts you into the family of God. According to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, we raise to newness of life as we come out of the water. As we're united with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is exactly why Paul said to them in Ephesus, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, we've not even heard whether there is any Holy Ghost. This is even before the day of Pentecost. Our greatest revival that we've ever had in any 12-month period is going to happen in 2020. You want to know why? Because there's all kinds of people in this world that are believers but they are not receivers. You cannot let, and, and, and I'm not, I, I'm not going to go like this because I, I don't want people to think, but I have met so many people that religious pride sets in. and Oh, I know, and oh, yeah, I've done that, and oh, yeah, I know that. Just last week, I was standing up here. We had quite an altar call last week. After Wasn't that musical great last week? And I was talking to a woman, and uh, she goes to another church, and I wasn't trying to be offensive. I was trying to be informative. And I just told her, I said, any religious group, that does not have their roots in the book of Acts is not apostolic. And she physically went like this. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost making her do that. She didn't want to hear that. 
She didn't want to hear because people want to believe, oh, yeah, we're the originals. Oh, yeah, we go all the way back to the beginning. Oh, yeah, da-da-da-da-da. Oh, yeah, da-da-da-da-da. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not born of the water and the spirit, I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care how many much money you got. I don't care how bad off you are. You've got to be born again. Nobody is going to come through the birth canal unless you break the water of baptism. And nobody has the evidence that you're born into the kingdom until you make a sound. And in the book of Acts, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You do not get divine DNA without going through the whole sequence. You've got to have the entire sequence. Go to verse number 7. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Oh, yeah, I was baptized in, 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 the, in the titles of the Trinity, Matthew 28, 19. And I tell him, I said, nobody was baptized in the Bible in the titles of the Trinity. That was a religious development that took place in the 4th century. Constantine, the Roman Empire, was trying to consolidate the Roman Empire. The Eastern Bloc had already become totally apostolic. All you got to do is look at Paul's missionary journeys. And he renamed Byzantium Constantinople as his first effort to bring back Asia Minor back into the fold. And so they had... They had a creed where they got everybody together, the Council of Nicaea, and they said, this is the way you're going to be baptized. But they didn't know that it wasn't apostolic. You've got to be born again in Jesus' name to get God's DNA. And when you're baptized in Jesus' name, you join the family of the firstborn among many brethren, and you get the DNA that Jesus had. Your father is now, oh, come on, somebody, clap your hands and give him praise. Brother Seymour, it's becoming an incredible process to get good people, to nail them down, and finally show them in the Bible, no, you were baptized incorrectly. Well, does it really matter? We're told that baptism is just an outward sign, an outward profession of faith. And I hand them back their Bible, and I say, show me where it says that. It's not in there. That is a religious development. That's part of one of the creeds. That we only do baptisms twice a year. And when you're baptized, usually it's, it's it, depending what, what you're, if it's Roman Catholic, you were baptized as a baby. Because once a Catholic, always a Catholic. No, 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 no. Once you see greater truth in the Bible and you say, you know what, I don't have the DNA from another world. I can't quit smoking. I can't quit cussing. I can't turn the television off. I can't get anything out of my house. I can't seem to get the victory. Yes, it takes work because that old man wants to live. Adam wants to live. Adam wants to be in control. But there's a great greater than Adam that's in the house. There's a greater that's Adam that's in the house. And you call on the name of Jesus. And he said, you're part of me now. I've come to deliver. I've come to heal. I've come to rejuvenate. I've come to regenerate. I've come to resuscitate. I've come to save you. Stand to your feet and clap your hands and give God the praise. No, let's really praise him. Come on, somebody. Let's praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him on your father's side. Celebrate on your daddy's side. Give glory on your father's side. Give him praise on your father's side. How come you guys are radical? I'm sorry. It's on my father's side. How come you guys worship God that way? I'm sorry. It's on my father's side. How come you guys run the aisles? I'm sorry. It's on my father's side. 
Let's lift our hands and praise him. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying you're a hateful person, but you need a DNA change, a radical DNA change where the Holy Ghost overwhelms you, overpowers, and inseminates faith, glory, and power, wonder, and awe in the name of Jesus. With the advent of social media, it has absolutely stripped people of the desire to want to be something different. They're more involved with getting likes and getting fans on social media than working out their salvation with fear and trembling. And this is what makes, because you have to work this out. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, that is not, that is not divine DNA. Those thoughts, those impulses, those desires. And God is going to help me. And so I'm going to spend some time and call on his name. Let's praise him. I'm done preaching. Your Savior's in the house. Your rescue is in the house. Your way of escape is in the house. In fact, this altar's open. Let's come and call on the name of Jesus. Bring somebody by the hand and let's call on the name of Jesus. I don't need the DNA of a denomination. I don't need the DNA of a religion. I don't need the DNA of a church. I don't need the DNA of a pastor. I need the DNA from God that's going to help me be born again.